there were some like misnomers almost in my sur down to the moment of surgery. It was getting really, really raunchy, guys, when I was hopping into surgery moments before I went under. You ready to go? Let's go. <laughs> the Living List is about going outside of the box. It's a movement. It's a hashtag. It's us and you executing all those things we always said we wanted to do. Ariel Dance. And I am Brittany Sierra, and this is The Living List. Welcome back to The Living List. We are super, super duper excited about this episode. We're finally at the point where both of us have gone through the egg freezing procedure. You're going to hear about the actual technical process. You're going to hear about the emotional process, what the process did to our bodies, and just people's reactions really to us sharing our experience with them. But before we get into that, I know we got to get into our I'm down challenges. Okay, so you have your list all written out. But where is the plan? One, two, three, Take a task at random. Then of course, the choice is and we execute with intention. You down? I'm down. Racquetball was my thing. Can't say I'm Serena or Venus Williams, but I have a racket and I have a ball. Um, and you guys will get to see me, you know, hit the racket in the ball and see if I made a connection. That's all I really have for you. Um, I didn't put too much pressure on myself this week just because, you know, getting my eggs frozen. My stomach is the size of a pregnant woman's stomach. A, lo a lot of appreciation for pregnant women and mothers during this process, honestly. What about you, Britt? Um, so I had something that actually was pretty easy for me. It was to get a new therapist. Very excited. I love her. She's local. We also do telehealth. Um, so our first appointment was a video appointment and actually really appreciated it. Um, everyone knows I'm always talking about therapy. So I'm actually excited to ramp it back up. Listen, some that's see, this is why this is why the listeners be delivering. You know, you just gotta you just gotta put it out there and the universe will provide. I do believe that strongly. Let's see what you have to do this week. Cause we know that's gonna be possible. Look what I have. And here is what you'll have to do, Ariel. Ask a man on a date. I want you all to see this so you know that I am not making this up. And it's in Ariel's handwriting. For those of you that can't see this, definitely check us out at Living List Life on all social media. But if you can see this, you can see that it's in Ariel's handwriting. Are you ready? Are you going to ask a man out on a date this week, Ariel? I am. I have to. Okay. I know a man who would like that. Does it? Do we think it needs to be a new man or does it could it be the existing man? Um, I think that it can be whatever man you want to ask on a date. Okay. I love that. And I think I love that. I can do that. Um, it's so funny. I, uh, I, I talked about this year, like shoot my shot at people that, you know, like I want to shoot my shot. Like, I don't think that I'm, I'm a big believer in like a lot of times as women, we have men come up to us all the time, but if it's not who you want to go out with, shoot your shot, sis. <laughs> so listen, I'm gonna shoot my shot. I'm gonna ask somebody on a date and I feel like I'm gonna deliver. I'm, I'm gonna come back with a good dating story. I'm going to come back with a successful date. So I'm excited. I got it. I got this. Document it. I want to see it. I want to hear all about it. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited too. Okay, so let's see what you got now. Pole dancing class. 
I can do that in a week. Let's do it. B got the goods for it. So, uh, and maybe she can make us some money while she's doing it. Okay. <laughs> now I'm excited to talk about, I started my egg freezing journey. Um, I want to say in October of this year, but we've definitely been having the conversation for at least a year, at least. Um, but this has been a long time coming. We've been talking about this. I want to say just us in conversation for at least a year and a half. Um, my boobs are sore, my stomach is full, and I'm ready to get into all the details of what this whole egg freezing journey has looked like. Um, for me personally, I decided to get my eggs frozen because I kind of looked around at my friends and I looked around at my life and was like, okay, do you actually want kids, Ariel? Yes, I do want kids, right? Am I in a rush? Absolutely not. If I could wait another like five years for kids, I would be completely happy with that because one, I want a partner that I'm married to. Two, I want to enjoy that partner. I don't want to be like, okay, here comes the bride. And then like all of a sudden now we got to rush to get pregnant. Like I want to be able to do things in my own timeline and with technology, we're able to do that, right? And also with the dating scene, you know, we don't have control over when we meet that person. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm like so pressured into making this person the one. Like I've observed situations around me and seen friends like kind of being like, oh, well, this person's going to do this. So I need to move on because I don't have that much time. And, and I just hate for us, you know? So um, thankfully the option was available to me and this has been a long time coming and I'm excited that I did it. So um, let's talk about it. Why did, why did you decide to do uh, egg freezing? It was a couple of reasons. One, it was covered under my insurance. I thought that that was such a really good benefit that most companies didn't have. And you don't know your future, you know, and as much as you try to control your future, there's so many different things that happen that are beyond your control. So when I was looking at, you know, actually leaving and remembering we had that benefit, I was like, you know, I should, I should actually put it to use. Right. Uh, so actually, the first time I talked to my doctor for egg freezing was April 2021. Right. So but I didn't get it done until October. You know, I kind of like let time go by. I, I thought about it a little bit. And when I was pondering it from that time between April and October, a couple of things really stood out to me. One was I didn't want to have a baby in nine months Two, I really am open to what the future looks like for me. And I really was working on, and I'm continuing to working on being intentional, right? So if one day I want to feature with kids, I want to do all that I can on my end to make that possible. That's all I'm concerned about, right? And if you've listened to The Living List, or even if you're like a friend, you've you've heard these conversations of, I'm really thinking about getting my eggs frozen or I should get my eggs frozen, right? But I, I never really did any work to get it done. Um, I did a lot of researching. I know someone that has gone through IVF and I know someone who's frozen their eggs. So in the end, I just say, why not? Like, why not? With, I'm single. Um, when I went to talk to my doctor, he's really good. He asked me a lot of questions that I thought were super important on whether I wanted to make this decision or not. The first thing he asked me was, was I dating anyone seriously? I said, no. He asked me, did I want to have kids? I said, possibly someday with a good partner. Um, and then he asked me, 
would I be sad if I didn't have kids? I told him I didn't know. He said, would you be sad if you had the opportunity to prepare for your future to have kids, you didn't do it, and then you couldn't? And I was like, actually, yes, I would be. He was like, okay, well, then this might be for you. Um, and I just think all in all, it's it gives me an added sense of relief. And something he said to me was, you don't have to worry about forcing a man that doesn't fit into your life because you want to have kids when you have your eggs frozen. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, I need to hurry up and do this and having a baby before you're actually ready. You know, he was like, it's okay to live life. He was said what this is. And he was very transparent. He said, you may never use these eggs, but if you need to, they're here. And in the meantime, you just feel better going about life with this it seems like a plan B. And after a couple of months, I was like, he's absolutely right. And I did it. The one question that I love that your doctor asked was, would you be sad if it didn't happen for you? And I think that was kind of what I reflected on. It wasn't like, oh, I need kids. I'm, I have baby fever. I'm so excited to have kids and I have to do this. It was like, damn, if I don't do the right things, if the stars don't align perfectly, it could be a possibility not to be able to have children. And that would make me sad. I want to have an option to say yes or no, you know? Um, so I shout out to your doctor for that. Um, I think those were really good questions to ask because you don't, you don't know what the future holds. And as a woman, we don't have the control over it. I know that I made the right decision. I, it took literally months. The first time I talked to my doctor was in April. I didn't do it until October, right? So I had such a long time to think about it. I'm one of those people that overanalyze everything. So I'll ask a million questions and I'll say, well, what will this do to my body? I will Google and WebMD everything and see a thousand horrible things that can happen. So then I need to Google all those things. I had months, really months of intentional, dedicated research. So I did exactly what I wanted to do. And I feel great about it, honestly. I, there is a relief, especially directly afterwards. I just felt so relieved that I did not have that pressure that I don't even think that I really realized I had until they extracted my eggs. Um, I think it was very interesting. My parents, I think at this point, they're just used to me doing crazy things what they would view as crazy things, right? And I and I could see as a parent, you know, my parents are 50 something and egg freezing is fairly like a, a new, it's not a new technology, but it's not a widely spoken about technology. It's not something that people do every day and talk about openly as much. So my parents were kind of like, they just were like, oh, okay. Like, they're like, all right, here I'll go. What are you doing again? Okay, whatever. So they, they were like non-reactive and then maybe I would say maybe part of their non-reaction was maybe a sigh of relief because I think they do want me to be able to have kids. So they kind of like, they did, probably didn't have the language or the plan around it besides like, when are you getting married? But they stopped asking me that a while ago. They're just like, honestly, like, you know, I, they my, at this point they respect that I, I'm not rushing into marriage just to be married. Um, so I think with that, they don't want me to have kids unless I'm married. So they can't rush the grandkid conversation because they want me to be married, right? Um, so they reacted pretty chill. I, w I was surprised how many friends were like, I'm so proud of you. Well, you know, it is something that people really don't talk about. So I understand reactions where, you know, they had this one surprise, right, that you're even sharing because women's things 
doesn't matter what they are when it comes to women's bodies, unless it is men saying that you have to have the kids that you get pregnant with. Everything else is very hush hush. Pads are like marketed with this super silent wrapper. And, you know, right. they're super compact so you can hide it in your purse during school. And, you know, everything about women's bodies are just, you know, taboo to speak about. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I got most of the questions from men because I think men were like, what's going on here? Like, um, I think they're like, one, they're like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And it's like, no, nothing's wrong. We're just, this is just a proactive measure. Um, you get checked out and you get into it. I think that's so interesting. And two, how it's, it's funny how a lot of men were like, good for you. If I could do the same thing, I would. And I was, I was, you know, excited about that support because sometimes like we, we think it's a taboo thing, but we often give credit to certain men who are just open and able to have those conversations and not make it weird. Right. So sometimes it's like us as women. I felt very no nonsense. Um, I didn't have, actually, this isn't true. I actually cried a lot when watching TV on the okay. medication when we got to like day six. Um, it, I think just so that people kind of know a little bit about me, like I don't take birth control. I mean, I've popped playing bees, right? But like, as far as having a steady everyday dose of estrogen and other hormones in my body, my body's not used to it. So day six, like, I'm watching TV, I'm crying at every little thing, every good thing, I'm happy tears, like everything just made me cry. In real life, I didn't quite have that reaction. But in real life, what I did have was I was super stern. Like everyone was my child for a good week because I'm like, no, that's that's unacceptable. I'm not doing that. I have to stick to my schedule. Honestly, like Brittany that was going through the process was a boss ass B because she like, she was focused. She had time. She needed to do things. She would have a meeting put on the calendar at the last minute. And she declined because it's six 15 every day. She takes her gone left. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, yeah. can't make it. Yeah. I think that, um, one of the biggest challenges for me was just balancing my time. You know, um, I think, I mean, I don't have children. I have, I work in a stressful work environment and that's like one of the biggest stressors in my life. I have outside um, commitments that I have like the living list. So it's a lot to balance, you know, when you have a lot of commitments overall and then to add in daily doctor's appointments, to add in three a day to add in taking birth control for the first time. Similar to Brittany, I've never taken birth control ever. So it was like interesting. I had to take birth control for three weeks. Then I had to um, go in. Well, first backing up, um, for those who hadn't listened to the first episode, I had to lose 15 pounds to even get started. So that was like a, you know, like a, that was jarring for me. It was great that I had to do it because I was, I was in the space to have to lose weight. And Brittany loves to say, my kids are already taking care of me. Um, but I, and I feel that, but I, um, 
I think it was very interesting to have to like, okay, now I have to work to even get to the place where I'm able to do this goal. And for me, it was very stressful because I feel like my body loves to lose weight. I mean, gain weight. My body loves it. Like if it's an extra cookie, they like, ooh, two pounds. If it's like an extra sip of soda, ooh, give me three. Like it just loves to gain weight. So I was so concerned that I was going to gain weight on the birth control because, you know, people gain weight on birth control. But it's really the progesterone in there that makes you a little bit hungry. So I had to be conscious, like, am I actually hungry? So I, every single thing I'm putting in my mouth, I had to be conscious of because I can't gain an ounce. Then um, taking the hormones, we had to do hormones naturally. Some people gain weight on hormones because it's giving you extra in your body. So um, you can gain weight on that um, and you do get bloated. Uh, so I had to like go to the gym every day to make sure that again, I don't gain weight so I can be clear for surgery. Absolutely. You know, you brought up a really good point when you were talking about the actual day-to-day things that you need to do in order to complete this half a round of IVF. Going to the doctors every morning for my office, the hours, I believe were six to nine or seven to nine. But here's the thing. It wasn't just seven and nine for me. It was for everybody who was a part of that office that was in the process, right? So, and then also for me, um, at the time I wasn't driving. So it's ordering an Uber, making sure I get the Uber enough time to get there to my home, right? Because it could take two minutes. It could take 12. You never know. It was also realizing that it's not the same when you drive. You know, when you drive, you might have to get on the shoulder. You weave in and out of traffic. So anything could be a 15 minute ride when you drive. When it's an Uber, you have to actually account for the time it's supposed to be for you to get there. So that's 30 minutes right there, right? Um, And then, you know, I was tired. I was so tired by the end that shot out to anyone who has carried a child, even if it was for a day. Because this little week of me having a little bit more hormones than I was used to, I was exhausted. I was so tired. And like, there's videos. So of course I videoed this whole journey and there's videos of me like walking out of my doctor's office with my mask on because it's still COVID everyone. It is still COVID. So we still had that pressure walking out with my mask and I'm just like, I'm exhausted. This is day three. This is day four. This is day five. There's conversations with my doctor and my nurse and myself. And we're looking at the screen from the sonogram. And I'm like, how, what's the size of my follicles now? Because I just wanted to get to the point where I can take my trigger shot and go like, like Brittany, it's day four, right? You know, this is a seven to 12 day thing. And I'm like, all right. Okay. That's fine. Again, And I'm going to say this for everyone. If you're in the DC, Maryland, or Virginia area, I absolutely recommend my doctor. I would absolutely go back to them for another round or anything else I would need because they dealt with me like a person, right? And if you go through this process, at least at my place, it was so many people coming in and out in such a short amount of time. And they're so regimented, right? Like you got to take your blood test. You got to go in and get a sonogram. You need to talk to your doctor. You need to check in. You need to do this. Somehow they still didn't make it feel like you were just 
a cog in a machine or something on a conveyor belt. Like I really got personalized care to the point that on my last day, the nurse was like, and not my personal nurse, the blood lab nurse. She was like, is this your last day? I was like, you remember? She was like, what am I going to do without you every morning? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to miss you. And I'm I'm full of hormones. So like, I really am on the verge of tears talking to her. And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to miss you because every day she made sure that I was taken care of. I don't like needles. Injecting myself is crazy enough. And then I got to go to you the next day for you to stick something else in me. But she, she provided expert care. She always reassured me that I was doing the right thing. Um, she told me to tell all my friends to get their eggs frozen. And I did. We're, we're a whole egg gang at this point. Um, it was just, it was an amazing experience. I, I would do it again if I needed to get my eggs frozen, if I needed IVF, if any of that. I would absolutely do it again at Columbia Fertility Associates. They they made me feel like a person. You know, this is uncharted territory for me. And they were never as busy as they got. I could say, wait a minute, I have questions. And they would sit down and they say, okay, ask away. They emailed me all the time. It was a good experience. And I think that makes a difference too. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes a difference. I feel like my doctor, Dr. Perlman, I loved his attitude from the beginning. And that's kind of why I went to IRMS. Then I was under the assumption that I would see him more through the process. So I was like, hold on a second. I was like, Dr. P, we got to talk because where you been? You know, but I mean, he he got in contact with me on the side, but for, from a day-to-day standpoint, I didn't see him. And I didn't understand that I didn't see, I wasn't going to see him. So I think that, conversations like this help other people to ask the question right and he didn't understand that I didn't understand that I wasn't going to see him either Mm -hmm. so I I think that for me it was like I had the support from my doctor um and I would talk to him on the side but the day-to-day I was concerned like why am I not seeing you but I spoke up I was like hey Dr. P I'm not happy with this um and he immediately apologized and it was like I'm sorry that that wasn't explained to you correctly tell me what are any of the issues that you may or may not have had in this process and how do I correct them? And I appreciated that because I'm like, okay, if you're not perfect, what I can respect is you making the apology and being like, what can we do to do better? You know? Um, but Dr. P will slide, will talk to me on Instagram in a minute and <laughs> be like, hey, Aaron, what's going on? Um, we've done lives together. And so I do appreciate that about him. From my perspective, they had a lot of portals in my IRMS. It was a portal for this, portal for that, portal for this. And that was a little confused. And I told Dr. P, I'm like, for not just for me, but for, for patients who are older than me or not tech savvy, I work in digital media. <laughs> like, I literally work in digital media for, for a living. Um, if I'm a little confused, I think there's a lot of people who may be a little bit confused. So just taking that 15 minutes to explain like this portal's for this, this portal's for that, that portal's for that. I think those would have made the little differences. But overall, I do think that I appreciated the best I mannered of Dr. Perlman and then his reaction to when I was like, hey, didn't like this. He's like, okay, how do we fix it? So I think all in all, I had a good experience. Um, I want to say, okay, let's, what else? Over what else were oh weird things weird things I want to tell you guys I don't know if this happened to you but like there was a moment where I was sitting on the phone talking to somebody and literally my entire body just went into heat like literally it was like 
I said, what is going on here? I wasn't talking about anything sexual. I wasn't talking about anything that related to me just getting super aroused. But like, I was like, it has to be the medication. It was like, I was like a dog in heat. It was like like a wave. I was sitting here and it was like, and I was like, whoa, (laughs) like that was crazy. Did that happen to you? Yes, actually. You know what? Mine started on the birth control. Basically, the second day, I only had to take birth control, I think, for three or four days. By day two of me popping at birth control, I was, listen, heat isn't even the word. It was like an intense <laughs> inferno, okay? <laughs> um, and honestly, you know, because I, if anybody gets the tea, it's Ariel. But it's also my living list community, so I'm going to just let y'all know. I, ha- I haven't been having sex. Like, it just hasn't been my thing. I didn't want to have sex with people I didn't like. That went out the window, okay? (laughs) I had some of the best sex I've ever had. And I'm not sure I would have actually done it if I wasn't on that birth control. Like, I cannot describe the amount of, like, I don't know, like, energy, sexual energy. Yeah. It was um, it was intense. So yeah, I I was right there with you, Ariel. I was I was a sex pot. It was it was it's just like an energy, not even the actual act, but like yes. everything was hot and wet. Like <laughs> we say that to say, y'all, be careful be because careful. you could be in a bad situation. You could really and and not to mention on those hormones, you can get pregnant. And I think that your body's natural response to like when we're ovulating you're attracted you're in heat when you're ovulating because the natural process is for you to find a partner to now fertilize these eggs when you have these hormones injected in you there is nothing different about that and my sister if it's not the one you want to be your mister do not i repeat do not let that don't let it get you because you'll be out here with eight kids and be like what happened right okay (laughs) make sure that you plan out everything the timing like And Ariel brought up a really good point about the science behind it all. When you're on these shots, it's all to control your ovulation. It's to get your eggs ready, to be released, get them nice and juicy. But your body doesn't know that, you know, they're being ready to be released. Your body is like, these eggs are nice and juicy. Like, where is the sperm? And so my body's like, where's the sperm? And I'm like, where's the dick? It was an experience. I kind of, listen, it was an experience. I feel bad for my partner, my husband, whoever, when it's time for me to like actually have a kid, because if that was a glimpse of what these hormones do, he's going to be so tired of me. He's probably going to put me in my own room. Because... <laughs> Go to bed. Wild, 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 wild. Listen, I'm telling y'all ladies, they talk about, what do they? What's the male, the female enhancement drug? I don't know if they have one. Like kind of like what they the men who who have like, uh, you know, saying straight on. <laughs> um, yeah, this has to be it. This is it. I don't know what this is it <laughs> because it's like wow, <laughs> literally not doing anything, just sitting there like a wave over your body. Like, and if you're not if you're not cognizant of like, hey, there's drugs in my body that are doing this to me, you could be like, wow, he looks great. (laughs) So I also think for the women that are listening, 
you know what ovulation does to your body. You know, things start getting bigger and wetter and stickier. And it was like, let me tell you, the man really appreciated this whole process because I think there's also like one, a very nurturing, sexy mom, MILF type of energy you exude while you're giving yourself these shots that men, men are still very, people, humans are very like feral, right? So it's like the, the pheromones and the hormones and everything. Like this is a very, a very raw process. And I, again, that man is still calling me about that sex. Like, <laughs> still calling me. We did it one time. And I was exhausted. But when I tell you, those hormones are the truth. It, it, was, it was top tier. Top tier. Top tier situation. Top tier. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah. It, it was definitely, definitely an experience. I'll say that, ladies um, and gentlemen. If you are nervous about your woman getting on this, uh going through this process there are some pluses and minuses for you but there are some pluses um and this is just one of them um so uh what else i had to take my shots on a date um i went out on a date um went to a basketball game and i literally had to like bring my shots with me because you have to take the shots at the same exact time so it's like you're trying to live life still but also it's very inconvenient so i'm in the parking lot of outside of Madison Square, Madison Square Garden, and I'm like, I have my blue fur coat on because I'm, 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 I'm chancing for the Knicks. I'm excited about seeing the Knicks. It was my first Knicks game, which is also on my living list, so I'm still checking things off. Um, and I got my blue fur coat on, got my cute outfit on, and now I got to pull out my drugs. Now this, the parking attendant is looking in there like, is she getting high? And I'm like, hey, I have to take a little bit of medication. So just, cause I developed, I was like, give me one moment. I'll be right there. And now I'm shooting myself up. <laughs> like not only, and the needles don't come put together. You have to take it apart, clean yourself off, make sure everything's sanitary. Like there's like four pieces here. So I'm like putting my needle together. I'm giving my first injection. Um, you know, mid panicking before each injection, because that's what I love to do. Um, and then you got to give yourself a second injection. Now I'm like, oh, I don't have, now I got to dispose of these needles um, and not look like a drug addict in the process. So um, that was really interesting for me doing that. Uh, but I got it done. And, you know, the dude was in the car and he was just like, you need anything? And I'm like, but he's like, you're so strong. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, I don't want to be strong. <laughs> I'm like, you know how people like call you strong and don't give you sympathy? Yeah. And then I had heels on and I felt like I was nine months pregnant with these heels on. I think too, what it does teach you, and I don't know if it's the result of the hormones, because I'm definitely the type of person too who like, if it's not convenient, I don't want to do it. But it's funny what your brain does for your body during this process, right? So where you're like, oh no, I'm gonna take these shots at the same time every day, even if that means in Madison Square Gardens parking lot, right? I think the weirdest place I took a shot was, or I gave myself a shot was in the Amtrak bathroom coming from Jersey to DC. It's like, listen, I gotta take the shot. So we'll go. I have, you'll see it in my reel, but I have my purse that has an ice pack. At that time, that's when I started two injections. 
and it has both of them in there and I'm in some sterile pads and some alcohol. And I'm like, all right, it's time to do this. <laughs> but there was one point when I started my second injection. So for me, I only had two injections. I had Donald F to start, and then I had gonorrhelics. And I think those two are normal. Like most people get at least that, right? Those are the two base drugs. And when I started the gonorrhelics, my stomach was hard. After I gave myself my injection, like the next day, it was hard and it was kind of like, it wasn't bruised too bad, but it was bruised a little. And you're supposed to switch where you give yourself your injection anyway. But I couldn't have given myself the injection on that side, even if I wanted to. Like it was. Yeah, it's like a rock. That happens. Yes. Yeah. Like my, my body definitely reacted to me switching or adding another drug to the combination. Um, so that is one thing that I had. Now, if you do your research, you see that this is normal. Some people bruise the entire time. Some people have hardened stomachs. You also have to like really be careful because your ovaries are being stimulated. There is a thing called overstimulation, which should be caught because you go to your doctor every day. So they should be checking your levels and everything. But there, it is a lot of work. The reward is worth it. I would do it again, but I do want to be very open and transparent with our community that you make it work, but it is still indeed a lot of work prepare yourself. Yeah, no, I do think it's a lot of work, but I feel like it's in comparison to protecting your future. It's like not that, you know what I mean? When you weigh out the work versus the, I'm not going to have a kid or I'm not, I am going to have a kid. I think it was like so much worth it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't crazy to me. Um, but it, it definitely was and it. And what's surprising about it is that it was only like two weeks of that. You know, I thought in my head for some reason that this was like a four month process, you know what I mean? Um, before going into it. So that was super surprising. And I hope that someone listened to that. Like you can do a lot of things for two weeks, you know, <laughs> if it's like two months, you're like, I can't do this. But two weeks, if you really strap down or even less, you know, 10 days, uh, I think my process was, if you really strapped down and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to this for 10 days. And you know, you have your angle, then you're like, all right, cool. I can get it done. But it, um, it definitely is different. Um, but you, you get over stuff, you know, like I'm scared of needles. Uh, the first needle, I was like, oh my God, I'm injecting myself. Um, that was scary. Even my arms were just like bruised from like getting, getting blood every morning. My stomach's bruised. I got a little stretch marks on the front of my stomach too. I'm like, am I pregnant? <laughs> like what is happening here? Um, so yeah, I got a little stretch marks and bruising on my stomach. Um, I, do we want to talk about afterwards or do we want to give them more details about the process? I think we should talk about the extraction day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, extraction day for me was interesting. Um, okay. I had so many things going on, right? One, I originally told my doctor I was a certain height, but it was just me telling him like, I was like, Oh, I might be five, six, five, five. My whole life. I've been like, I, I kind of think I'm five, seven, but I definitely knew that I wasn't. But like, I feel five, seven, so I'm five, seven. Um, so I told him I was about five, 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 six, right? He calculated my BMI based on me telling him that I think I'm five, 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 six, right? 
but I don't think he ever went back to the drawing board to be like, okay, this is the height, this is the exact weight, right? So to my knowledge, about four days before before the surgery, I was at five pounds underweight. So I was very comfortable. But I was like, hey, let me ask the question again, just to be sure. Because I was going in and I wasn't seeing him and other people weren't weighing me. And I'm like, I could be gaining weight over here. It was a big concern and big conversation for me. So I'm like, let me check in on that. And that's like, sometimes, you know, you think that, and and I don't take this away, you know, because these doctors, they have a whole bunch of patients and stuff like that. Sometimes you have to like, really be like, what were my goals and actives and things that I needed to get done to, to make sure I get to the in place and think about yourself, because sometimes they're going to forget. <laughs> um, so I asked and I was like, okay, what is my weight? And I'm like, I got on the scale two days before my surgery that was moved up. Um, and I was literally to the pound what I need to be for surgery. And I'm like, wow, this is scary. Cause now I have to like, if I gain one pound, are they going to deny me surgery? Cause you have to be at a 45 BMI. So I was like, okay. So that in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get there. Am I going to be overweight? What's going to happen if I'm overweight? Blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, when I got in there, the weight thing wasn't an issue. They actually asked me, which is kind of weird because I'm like, I could just lie. Um, which I was like, I'm 5'5", five five, and I'm 5'4". I was like, I'm 5'5", five five, just to make sure we were good. But then I'm like, you know, with anesthesia, I'm like, could that have been a discrepancy? So I was very nervous about that, but I said my prayers at night, said them in the morning. I was like, I'm going to be okay. But I did, you know, if you guys listen to our coronavirus episode, um, anytime I think I'm about to die, I'm making a video just so my <laughs> family could think like, could be ready. So I'm like, Hey, if anything happens, here's the people who can have my eggs, raise them as your own. My parents want grandchildren, take my eggs, raise them as your own. Um, and I'm like, this is an instruction. So if anything ever happens to me and I knew, and I knew there was a situation, there's a video on my phone. Just check. <laughs> um, so I, I'm taking a video. I'm like, Hey, you know, just in case guys, here's what I would like you to do with my eggs. Um, and so I got in there and I go in the surgery room, the, the anesthesiologist, I meet him. I meet the doctor who's not my doctor, Dr. Perlman. It was Dr. Chen. She was great, had great bedside manner. Um, so I'm sitting there with her. So then we go in the operating room. First of all, I'm like, oh wait, let me back up. When I went in there, they gave me, which I thought was horrible. They, they ask you like certain questions and then they're like, do you have a will? I think that's just, I know they have to do it for a reason, but there should be some connection between the doctor and the surgery center where they have the will conversation with you, not the five minutes before you go to surgery. I just think that's very tacky. Mm-hmm. I think there'd be some point in which you go into some portal or whatever, but I guess the surgery center and the doctor's office are not like the same company. So maybe that's why, but I just thought that was very like, I'm a, I'm, for the most part, a calm, cool, collective person. I could see that very much so stressing out somebody who's high stress out and they yeah. need to be calm. Yeah. Here, if you don't have will information, here's the will information. So that was a ding. But everyone was nice. They had to do it because it probably wasn't the people. That's their process, right? So, um, so then when I go into the surgery room, the surgery room was super intimidating. It was definitely giving me Hawthorne, definitely giving me like Chicago Fire, didn't know that it was like that. Like I never had surgery before. So there's the big light. There's like six people in there. Um, and I'm not expecting six people to be in there. And they're like grabbing you. Like this person's like undressing you. This person is like grabbing your hand. This person is like saying, you know, like they weren't like overly energetic where it made me super nervous. But again, I didn't expect six people to 
be in a room. I didn't expect this. Like it was a table with your legs up. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so then they're, they're like setting me down and putting me in what I would call stirrups. I don't know if they are, but whatever, we're going to call them that. So you, you have your legs up and you lay back. And now because my arms are bruised, the anesthesiologist has to go in my hand. And I'm like, that freaked me out because my hand is like so thin. Go on my fat arm. Like, find something in there. So he's like slapping my hand, flipping it over, slapping it, flipping it over. Um, and I'm like, I can't see him because I'm like strapped down. Like, I'm like strapped like a star. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, is everything okay? And he's like, he's like, yeah. Um, he's like, there's just one pipe, just one pipe. I'm guessing a pipe is a vein. So he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, they already used that one. So I have to use your hand. So he sticks it in my hand. And when I tell you it hurts so bad, I was like, ow, that was interesting. And like, I'm not trying to get attitude with him, but I'm like, ow, that was interesting. I've never felt anything like that before. So then he, I'm like, is it everything okay? Like, is it all set to go? He's like, I'll tell you in a second. So now I'm like, he stuck it in, but like, does he feel like it's not all the way in? So like, are the drugs gonna go in me? So then he sticks it in my other vein and I'm like, all right, cool. It's in, right? He's like, I think so. Now the women in the room are like, dude, just reassure her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so the doctor comes over to me. She's like rubbing my head. She's like massaging my shoulders, which was like, she knew the deal. And then the other nurse, even though she wasn't doing anything, she's like, yeah, it looks great. It looks like it's going well. Yeah, it looks like he got it. He's like, I'll let you guys know. Like, just be quiet, dude. <laughs> and I feel all this wetness on my hand. I feel mm-hmm. like, like he spilled like a, it felt like a cup of, medication on my hand now i'm like i'm just praying because i'm like this man does spilt the medication he didn't have a measuring cup that he spilt it in so he now he <laughs> no. now if he has to adjust these drugs is he gonna give me too much is he gonna give me too less i'm just like lord just let me wake up like at this point i'm not even i'm not gonna let what's happening over here because he's like oh shit oh fuck. like he's cursing and i'm like i'm just gonna i said the lord got me and then I woke up. I was a little nervous though. I was like, am I going to wake up? It was a little scary. How was yours? Um, <laughs> it was, scare you guys. Well, it was the opposite of that, which is really good for anyone who's listening and that might've scared them a little bit. Um, so again, I, I have to give all the props to my doctor and team because you get there. They're so nice. They had this um, room where you change your clothes, you put your stuff in the locker, you put your like cheesecloth shower cap on, very comfortable hospital socks. If you know me, you know I love some good hospital socks. I even wore them on my birthday, like it's my thing. Um, that was a good, a good thing. Um, you sit down and I met the nurse who would be my surgery nurse, who was different than my nurse during the process of the injections and the sonograms. So I met her, she talks to you for a while so that you build up like a rapport, maybe not a while, it's five minutes, but when you like are really nervous about getting surgery, it seems like everything is so exaggerated as far as the length of time. And then my anesthesiologist comes out, he asks you your standard questions, they weigh me, so that he knows the correct dosage to give as, you know, do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you do any type of drugs? Do you take Tylenol? Ask about allergies. We had this really interesting part where I was like, okay, I have seasonal allergies and my mom says I'm allergic to penicillin. So that's what I tell every doctor, but I don't know if it's true. <laughs> he was like, all right, we're just going to put it down. I was like, perfect. So um, he was great. Like I found out about his kids 
they did a really good job in letting you feel comfortable, right, throughout this whole process because they know you're nervous. And for most people, they're going through IVF. So imagine the emotional, you know, toll this takes, especially on the big day where they're extracting your eggs, right? So talk to him. And then the nurse was like, okay, well, we can go in the surgery room. Like Ariel, there really was a big light in there. They didn't have it on, thank God. But there was a huge light in there. And I was like, oh. But it was like this really comfortable massage chair with stirrups. So I got in the chair. Let me tell you, when I tell you they took care of me, I didn't even have to put my own legs in the stirrups, okay? The nurse came and was like, all right, this leg, then we'll do this leg. My doctor, Dr. Sachs was in there. I really liked it. Like, I like that my doctor who convinced me to get the surgery was the doctor who stuck, who did the sonogram every day and told me to go get my blood work, who was also the doctor that extracted my eggs. There's, I'm one of those people where I need to feel like you know what you're doing. And because I had such a rapport with him, I never had to question my care because this is the guy that I've already vetted. This is a guy who I've seen how he acts, his bedside manner. He's invested in me throughout this whole me injecting process. And then, oh, wait, this is the guy who's also extracting my eggs. Perfect setup for my personality type. Um, so honestly, I didn't have too much time awake. We talked, they were like, okay. Um, the anesthesiologist was like, oh, he was telling me a story. You know, they did a really good job trying to not make me nervous. So he was like, oh yeah, and you work for Viacom and something, something. And his friend used to work for Viacom, but now he's at PNG. And when he got to PNG, this is literally how it went. He said something about PNG. And I was like, oh, my friend Roland works there. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, they make a lot of money. And then he pushed it through. And I was like, they do make a lot of money. I'm so happy for Roland. And I was knocked out. The That's only so request that I had. <laughs> also, it's very funny that the last thing that you say is about like your colleague, your friendly colleague, right? Like it's so strange to be talking about him while your legs are in stirrups and they're about to extract. The only request that I had where I was like, if I wake up and I say anything ridiculous, please take a video, right? So like they had my phone. I didn't say anything ridiculous when I woke up. I was very disappointed. Um, but yeah, the whole procedure is 15 minutes. When I woke up, there was like cookies and apple juice and <laughs> blankets. And they're like, you need more blankets? And I mean, I milked it. I absolutely needed more blankets and cookies and apple juice. And then they like, you get up and they sit you in a chair and they want you to kind of stay around until you can go to the restroom. And um, then you're gone. So the whole process is 15 to 20 minutes. They extracted 28 eggs and 22 were mature. Um, it, was, it was a good experience. Honestly, all around a great, I love my anesthesiologist. It was very funny. I would, again, 10 out of 10 recommend and do again with the same exact people. If, now, I will say walking to the car, my mom came to pick me up and she's, I'm her baby. So she's already being very conscious it hurt walking to the car. I told her she needed to slow down. She probably wasn't even going fast, but my the pain that I had, there was so much pressure like in that lower pelvis area and I don't even get period cramps. So anything outside of that, it hurts for me, honestly, because I'm not used to any type of really 
disturbance down there. So that was that was interesting. And I, I would again be very transparent. I felt that for a good 24 hours. Maybe yes, because I got the surgery at like 7 a.m. But I will say the next morning, 7 a.m., I was on the road. So you rec- my recovery was pretty quick. Um it wasn't anything that had me sit sitting down for a while or anything like that. It was, but the day when they tell you don't work, take the day off, don't make any plans, please follow that guidance. I know we think we're super women. Follow the guidance because for anything, you just deserve a day of rest for sure. And you never know how you're going to react, honestly. Like, I feel like the first day I felt really fine. Um, but the second day I kind of started to feel that heavy, heavy pressure. But then the first day, probably because I was still on medication mm-hmm. from the anesthesia. So I still had a little bit in me, probably that little extra spill <laughs> in me. I don't know. Or it could have been water, honestly. I don't. First of all, I don't want to drag the surgery center to film. They gave me warm blankets. They were very nice, but I did have some nuanced situations, but I do want to position it as they were very nice in there and they did give me warm blankets and did give me good bedside manner. But that that anesthesia thing was a little scary for me. I'm not going to lie. But everyone around the anesthesiologist tried to like comfort and maybe he had a bad day, but that's not really the the situation I want you to have a bad day in, you know? but in terms of recovery, I feel like I I feel pretty good. Today is day, I got it on Saturday and today is Monday. So um, today is day three or day, what is it, Sunday, Monday, t- two, day two. So um, I feel pretty good. I woke up with less pressure than I've had. I still don't feel like I need to run a marathon or do anything crazy. Yesterday I started cleaning up because my parents love to tell me they're coming over an hour and a half before they come. And like, I did clean before surgery because I was like, if case, you know, someone has to come and, you know, help me, I want my apartment to be clean, but my parents are clean free. So they, they're, I was like, I don't have for them coming in here with any judgments. So <laughs> I did a little bit of extra and, um, but they bought me food and stuff like that. Um, and I, but I think when I started cleaning in the morning, I did do a little bit too much and I might've irritated my bloating. Cause I, I woke up like, I feel great. So Take your time because you might put yourself in a worse position. But overall, I think I feel really good. And hopefully I can work out within a week. They say you can work out within a week, depending on how you feel. You can have sex within a week, depending on how you It's kind of all like a case-by-case situation. You just got to be, you know, checking with your body and know whether you're pushing yourself too much or not. So would you do it again? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm debating. I have a doctor. A meeting with Dr. Perlman um, on sometime this week. Actually, I don't know when the meeting is scheduled for, but I know we're going to talk this week and talk over my results and see if it's something that I do want to do another round of. Um, I have some medication left over, so I'm like, should I do it now? But I also want to do additional research on how is it bad for my body for me to do it back to back? Should I take a break or should I just be like good with like the eggs that I have and just, you know, like settle in that. So I'm, I'm kind of in that debating stage, but if I needed to do it again, I would absolutely do it again. I think it's worth it. I love it. Um, I hope that if there was anyone out there that 
was a little nervous about freezing their eggs, or maybe they are thinking about IVF and they aren't quite sure about, you know, going through that first process in the injections. I hope that between Dr. Perlman coming on the show and sharing his expertise and us sharing our experience that at the very least, we've removed some of the stigma about talking about it with the people that are important to you and in your life. If you were on the fence, my vote is to absolutely do what's best for your body and your situation. I did it. I feel good about my choice. I would do it again if I ever needed IVF. I feel so confident in this process that I wouldn't even think twice about going through that process. Um, And again, just do your research on the place that you went. Another thing that I learned too while doing research and going through this experience, I prefer a place where the doctor, the surgery center are all in the same building because I needed the most you know, routine and comfort at that point. So that that was a plus. Um, also, I, for my personality type, I love that my doctor, again, was the same person that extracted my eggs. My sur- The surgery center is just part of um, Columbia Fertility Associates. And then also, you know, Ariel brought up a good point earlier about speaking up. All of these doctors are absolutely informed and they want to provide the best care, it still is up to us. It's up to you if you have questions to speak up, if something doesn't feel right, like this is so important and you'll find, and I know for me, I had to like speak up more than I normally have to speak up in general because, you know, it's a doctor. You're, It's my body. It's something I've never done before. So I had lots of questions the doctors don't mind. They are so happy to answer questions and to provide clarification. And you know how people say, oh, if there's anything I can do, let me know. The doctors mean it. So if it's you need more FaceTime, if it's you need for them to slow down, there was a time where it was so busy in the waiting room, there wasn't even a seat. And, you know, it was COVID. So everyone had to, you know, be six feet apart. And, my doctor, you know, he was rushing after he stuffed that sonogram in me to get out. And I was like, wait a minute, I got a question. <laughs> he was like, I'm so sorry. And he sat down, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love that. But imagine if I didn't speak up, he just would have left out, which is normal because there are 50 other women out there and he did his job, but I still had questions. And it was also reaffirming to see that speaking up really does yield the results that you want, right? Like he didn't care. He didn't feel like, you know, I didn't make him feel bad. I didn't do something wrong. I wasn't, you know, uninformed or pushy or any of those things. I was a person that had questions about my health and he was a person that can provide the answers and was happy to do so. So I think those were my biggest lessons that I learned through this process. Um, my lessons learned, I think that, um, the preliminary conversation, just kind of having more proactive questions, like, you know, I would never think to not that 
if this person is my doctor that they're not doing the surgery, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that ahead of time. But now if I go into a situation like this, I don't know, like, is it you who does the extraction? Um, you know, it's it's based on the shift. I, if I would have gone in on a Monday, he would have done my extraction, right? So those, those little nuances, right? Taking notes on those nuances. Also, um, if I would have gone, also from a general standpoint at IRMS, it's the, um, what did he call it? The, the techs who, it's the ultrasound techs who do the ultrasounds, not necessarily the doctor. Mm. And the doctors don't necessarily do it every time. So that's like their standard practice. If I would have known that, I wouldn't even had the expectation or could have been like, you know what, that doesn't work for me because I want to see this person. But immediately when I was able to have that conversation with him, he was like, come to my office, I'll do the ultrasound for you. Because he did my first ultrasound. So it's kind of like, those things and like tailoring the experience to yourself and putting the brakes on it. in this situation it, it's no it was no need for me to put brakes on it because i'm like all right it's almost over but like if you go into a situation and say in retrospective i'm like hey i'm not comfortable with this hey i'm not comfortable with that you absolutely have the right to change you know so um I, it definitely is an interesting conversation and an interesting learning experience overall. Like I barely go to like my regular doctor. Like I'm not a person who's running to the doctor every 10 seconds, which I should do better with that. Um, but so I don't have many interactions unless it's like a emergency room. I've been like once when I had Corona. Um, so I haven't had a lot of interactions in this space. So I definitely learned a lot. Um, and you know, I don't regret it. I have no regrets and I'm excited for anybody who would want to do this um, because I do think it's a very proactive approach to family planning. There's no reason why we have to sit around and have the pressure of when will my family come, when will my partner come, you know, like there are options. Even if you get in a situation, you freeze your eggs and you don't have a partner, there are options for that, which we talked about in an episode with Dr. Perlman. You can have someone, you know, donor sperm. There's lots of options for us as women. We just have to be, you know, open to seeing what's out there, you know, and, and doing our research because, you know, we don't have to be like at the mercy of a man, you know, in a way, but not really. So um, I'm encouraged. I'm glad this is a good way to start my 2022. So I'm excited and, you know, my eggs are on us. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to ask them, drop us a DM at Living List Life, drop a comment, on any of our posts, we will definitely be more than happy to answer any additional questions, do like chats. I, I'm one of those people who when I learn something and experience something and other people have questions, like I absolutely want to be a resource. I think that it's so important that we had these conversations as a community where we are combating stereotypes. We are breaking down taboos. We are experiencing new things and coming back to share it with our community. And that I think is the biggest um, benefit of having this Living List community. Keep in touch with us. You know where to find us at Living List Life on every single platform. We look forward to talking about this and even more topics as season two continues. It has been an amazing episode. I am Brittany Sierra and my co-host, Ariel Dance. Another episode of The Living List done for the books. We'll talk to you later. Bye.